This is a conspiracy. That's what this is. One big damn conspiracy! And everyone's in on it! I know what's going on. Did IQs just drop sharply while I was away? person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. Did you see the memo about this? Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. Don't you see what this means? Welcome to episode seven of your Missing the Point podcast, where we have discussions with. The... Sorry, I want to start that again. <laughs> Welcome to episode seven of your Missing the Point podcast, where we discuss the weird, the wonderful, and the downright bizarre aspects of life as we have conversations with people from all over the world. Today, I'm joined by a person I honestly never thought I would have on this show or the opportunity to speak to. Massive shout out to Nate from Reality Zars for making this happen. I'm really excited about this one, hence why I stuffed up my own intro. <laughs> Today's guest was a massive voice during the dark times of COVID, using his bullhorn and his truth to try and wake up the world to what was going on. He is now taking the fight straight to the establishment with his hilarious memes and his awesome podcast, Rebunked. That's right, we have the one and only Scott Armstrong. Welcome, Scott. Holy crap, Drew. Thank you so much, man. Like, okay, I've never had an intro before. I've never had an intro on a podcast like that before. I'm just like... I'm, I'm very grateful to be here, man. Like, congratulations on your show. I love the whole concept. Like, just, man, good job. Great job. I, I'm always talking about, like, you know, if it's in your heart to start a podcast, do it. And it's never too late, man. Like, I love how you just, uh, you just you're just doing it, man. That's so cool. So congratulations. And thank you so much. That's an honor, no, really. No problem. That's well-deserved feedback from you, mate. Um, yeah, you're absolutely doing amazing things within this space. So I thought I'd get you on today, just have a bit of a general chat, but almost like a conversation about, not that I want to delve too much into COVID and what's happened, but like maybe we could compare notes on what our own lived experiences were over the past two years. Like um, I know by listening to you what yours were, but if we can compare mine and yours, I think that'd be a great way to start off. I think so too. I mean, uh, so what part of Australia are you in? I'm in Victoria. So I'm in, in okay. the state that was locked down the most out of any place in the world. So my experiences you know from yours be very different, I'd say. Well, yeah, I mean, yes. Like, I, I, I want to give ultimate respect and props to everything you had to go through. But, you know, I mean, in comparison, where I was at for the majority of it out in Oregon, um, you know, I don't know, you know, just north of California. So it's like it's like mini California. Right. And so it's just like all the crazy stuff you hear about California. Oregon was just as bad and maybe worse in some ways, maybe not as bad in different ways. But the funny thing is, is like a lot of that was just centered in the, the the cities, right? The metropolitan areas, right? And so once you get like 10 miles outside of the city in any direction, it's like, just like COVID didn't exist. It's crazy. But um, so I was in Eugene, Oregon, and I was born and raised in Oregon. You know what I mean? And like, that's, that's my home. And, and, you know, Eugene is kind of like, it's like, I mean, you, you probably even all the way over in Australia probably heard of like Portland, Portland, Oregon, yeah, yeah. Antifa, like all just the insanity, right? So I lived in Portland for like 10 years up to about 2011. And uh, Portland was always kind of just like kind of weird. And like, that's their, the motto of the city is keep Portland weird, 
and you know it always kind of had like a, a funny element to it like it's like the did you ever see that show portlandia is that a yeah, show you ever yeah across? Was, yeah i've come across that before yeah. yeah i mean so some of those sketches are just it's so portland they did a great job of capturing kind of the essence of portland which is kind of hipster super just like like i think one of my favorite skits is like the very first scene where they're like they go to this restaurant and they're like ordering off the menu they're like mm, yes is this like a is this free range chicken like yes okay well how big was the pen was it like 10 feet was it 20 feet? Like, how much how much did they have to roam and then they're like okay hold on well let's go see and they get in the car and they drive to the farm and they're inspecting the farm they're like mm, yeah i think mm, yeah i don't know i think maybe we'll okay we'll go try so anyway it's just super just like that's how portland is dude and it's it's eccentric and crazy and Eugene's kind of the mini version of that, but Eugene had definitely kind of more of a hippie element to it, like super hippie, like a lot of the like counterculture, like Ken Kesey, for example, a lot of like the the Grateful Dead people, like there was like Eugene, Oregon was like the hub of all that. And they have this thing called the Oregon Country Fair, which is like this world renowned, it's kind of like, I'm not going to compare it to necessarily Burning Man. It's definitely a different flavor, but it's kind of that idea. Just a huge like counterculture gathering of like, you know, tens of thousands of people from all over the world come every year to the country fair out in the woods. And, and just, you know, it's, it was always kind of like this, this like autonomous zone, you know, like, like there was all, it was just like you, everybody knew that you could just go there, get any drugs you wanted. And it was just like a free, just a free rave party. Like there, I, I went a couple of times and it was like, it was pretty cool. That was back a whole another sidebar back when I was getting high, right. And using drugs, I've been clean and sober for like six years, but almost six years. But anyway, so Eugene was, has always just kind of been that hippie kind of counterculture thing, you know? And it was like, it was cool, man. Like it was okay. You know, up until 2020, you know, it was okay to have differences. It was okay for people to like think differently. And like, I'd make fun of my buddy for like supporting Obama and he'd make fun of me for like, whatever, dude, like, it's like, whatever, you know? It was okay. There was a different time where it was okay to have differences. And then, you know, the whole COVID thing happened and it's like, not only, and then it just, it just fractured everything. It just split everything right down the middle where it's like you either completely buy into everything or you completely are against it. And and those who, you know, who were against it are all of a sudden like considered the worst people in the world. And and I imagine that's kind of what I, what I gather happened like all over the world, you know, like it just became, you are either in the cult or you're out. And if you're out, then you don't even deserve basic human rights. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then and- like that, that fracture, oh, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, but uh, that okay. fracture like it permeated to every single thing. It was like, either you wear a mask or you don't. And if you don't wear a mask, then that means you're all these other things too, you know? And it's just so crazy, man. The demonization of it. It's just, it's so that was kind of like, the kicking off point like it used to be okay to have differences but all of a sudden it became very clear that differences were not okay and you're only allowed to have one type of thinking which is very alarming yeah yeah in camp a or camp b and there was nothing else you could have and i think we're still seeing those effects today that polarization of people where you fit like just by viewing what happened within australia and other western countries compared to the u.s where we were heavily mandated and the u.s had that that air of your constitution and freedom mentality. It seemed like you guys had a much easier ability to opt out of what was going on. And you had that real backing behind you where here in Australia, like in my state, essentially the entire population was mandated. If you wanted to work or you wanted to leave your house, you had to have a jab of some description, even to the point where in our daily presser, where they come on and tell us how many people died and how many cases there were, 
they told us there's three vaccines, choose your poison. So they, they played us with fear of, fear of the, the virus. They tried to scare a lot of people with that, which they did. They had a big uptick in vaccines straight away. Um, then when that dropped off really quickly and they could tell the rest of the population didn't want it and had no intention of getting it, they brought in mandates. Then they hammered really hard that if you want to participate in society, you have to have it. And I'm not ashamed to admit that was a thing that got me at the end of the day for my career and my work, I had to have it. And it's a decision I absolutely regret every day now. But I think the one thing that's taught me this whole experience is that I'm not falling for it again. And it's done. I've lost a lot of faith in what the establishment was. I used to be a very conservative and traditional person in like voting means and society in general. And I've just lost all utter trust in, in the system and everything around it. But yeah, you're absolutely right. We've been put into different camps and different groups. And I think that was done in a very deliberate way to turn people against each other instead of the people that were orchestrating everything. Oh yeah. I mean, that's one of their main like essential uh, tactics is the divide and conquer. And we just absolutely all, felt like fell victim or or complicit with that you know I've always like looked at the whole thing like I just feel like I still even though I'm in opposition to all this and I'm out in demonstrations I'm I still to a certain degree feel like I'm playing my role in this big Truman show like I'm part of the the agenda you know there there has to be these two sides and I'm just I just happen to be over on this side for whatever reason up to the point where like I remember early on we were just like like I know my social media feed looks differently than somebody who's fully bought into the whole thing. And I'm wondering if like from the very get go, before there was even any awareness, if they were like, they'd already broken off and decided, okay, these people over here are going to be these players. And these people over here are going to be these players. And they custom curate your social media feed to only get like Bill Gates memes and world economic forum memes. And so I'm, I'm automatically now over on this side and over there, they're getting all these like anti-vaxxers or, I don't even know what their memes are like. I don't even know. They had chessboard set up for us already and I knew where we were. Yeah. And so I just, you know, a lot of me is like, and so I remember early on, we actually did a couple episodes on Truezilla. Like, why do we believe what we believe? Like, where are these thoughts coming from? Like, what are we, what are we doing here? And and we, we got it down to like, for me, it's just very foundational level things that I was able to kind of perceive and get through all that to realize that like, no, we're, we have principles. We have certain principles that we're basing our decisions and our actions on. And this other side is just going with whatever the TV tells them. So that gave me some reassurance. You know, it's like, I, you know, I value my medical decisions and it's just like, I feel like these are absolute encroachments on, you know, my, my basic civil rights or human rights period. Like these are, these are absolute encroachments. And like those of us that weren't okay, we weren't okay with that. So we resisted and, and, and in any capacity that we could, you know, we all started a show and like, you know, we like whatever capacity that is, I know so many different people and throughout the movement that serve various roles, but like, you know, like right now with you, with your show, like this is your, you know, way of resisting. And this is your way of like speaking your truth, you know, you know, and, and I'm sorry that had to happen to you, man. Like that's, that's that's gut wrenching, and that I just that breaks my heart whenever I hear that people, you know, felt that there was no choice. You know, um, I I feel like you know I had the situation where my job went away as a result of the shots, but it wasn't directly like they kind of came at me sideways. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard me talking about this. Yeah, but- I have. Like, you, I was listening to yours initially when I was I had. Because we saw it coming earlier on. We knew that they were going to mandate us and it was just a matter of time. 
and it hit us during uh, one of our school holidays. And it's when we had our massive protest. I don't know whether you would have seen that over in the States where we had our union boys knocking down the union headquarters and protesting in the city. And then the police went nuts on them and we had the black shirts, which are our Victoria police opening fire on armed civilians and stuff. And I was listening to a lot of your stuff from Truthzilla and a lot of your individual stuff throughout that time. And it was that time where I was really trying to weigh up my options as to what to do. And listening to your stuff definitely helped me out a bit, but unfortunately I had to make a choice at the time what I had to do to support my family. And yeah, yeah, it's in hindsight, I definitely wouldn't, wouldn't do it knowing what I know now. If I knew it back then, I definitely wouldn't have done it. I mean, yeah. I mean, again, like you're just like, you're the victim in this, you know what I mean? Like I, I totally understand, you know, and we talk a lot of shit uh, a lot about like, you know, whatever, but it's like, man, it just breaks my heart every time I even think of that, you know, and like, like forced in that situation, you know? And so like having gone through that myself, you know, like just, you know, after losing my job, as a drug and alcohol counselor because of the shots, not directly history and found that I'd printed an Amazon return shipping label like six months before, which, you know, you're not supposed to use your computer for personal things. So he's that <laughs> is just to fire me. Right. And I'm like, okay. I, yeah, I know exactly. And this is after I became like the anti-vaccine guy at work. You know what I mean? Like I was like very much hated in the office because I worked with a bunch of maskies, but um, anyway, so after that, I was like, man, I don't want to be in that situation ever again. And it's so weird how like the universe is almost just lined up to where I now just work for myself and and it's so crazy, you know? And uh, do you have, so what I was going to say is like, you know, I've had so many epiphanies along the way here in that, you know, it's still, even though like they, they have us like at gunpoint, basically at gunpoint saying like, you will take this shot or you know, like I you say, like, or you can't participate in society. I'm like, okay, well, then I'm not going to participate in society. But I, but see, that's, that's a unique situation for me because, you know, I'm just a single guy. I don't have any kids. I don't have a family. It's just me, dude. Like I, like I said, I'm in recovery. I've been homeless on the streets. I couldn't live. I could do that. You know what I mean? But like, if I, I don't have a family to take care of, you know? And so I don't know what that decision is like. And so I can't speak to that, but like, I just want to be like, okay, now I'm never going to be in that position again. I refuse to be in that position again. So, <clears throat> I mean, do you feel like, in your life, there's any like latitude to gain more autonomy, like become more independent? Yeah, like, absolutely. Um, I, I connected with Adam from Deborah Gets Red Pilled and Chad X and Lani and those, that group and Moral Bob and those people. So that's my little, Good. my little internet buddies. Like I made friends yeah. on the internet type of deal. Um, and I'm becoming more self-sufficient with like during COVID, I put in raised garden beds. I've started a, a native food forest on, on our little block. And my wife's a, a farm girl and her father has 600 acres. And the whole plan, like long-term was, oh, we we take over the farm eventually, but we're really trying to ramp that up. And we're both teachers and we've got debts and housing and everything. So we've got this idea of we're transitioning to farming. Instead of a transition into retirement, we're transitioning to the farm. So we've got a lot of things in place and I don't want to be caught out again to where I have to do what the establishment tells me what to do. And from the get go, that was, that was my position on it was I was never afraid of the air. I didn't think there was anything wrong with the air. I never wore a mask during the entire time. I never caught COVID. I still haven't caught COVID and I've been surrounded by it multiple times. Yeah. I just didn't like the idea that a government can come down and or anyone can tell you what to put in your body. And that was the biggest thing for me. And even as a person who, who 
reluctantly was coerced and was vaccinated, I'm still called an anti-vaxxer by work colleagues because of my views about it all. Yeah. Dude, I complied with you. What do you want me to do? What else do you want me exactly. to do? Yeah. Not, yeah, dude. Okay. Well, man. Okay. So you have like, you know, you have like a unique talent. You have unique skills. You have like marketable skills that are going to be so valuable in this like new world that we're trying to build. Like I, I, I love that you, you're connected with Adam because he's like a, you know, I consider him a good friend. You know, I've, I've hung out with, he lives in Portland. Like I, I've hung out with him several times in real life. Like he's a, but I was just texting him this morning. Actually, we were just texting this morning. Like he's a good friend. He's a good guy. And he's a huge inspiration to me too. You know, um, you know what him and his wife are doing is just so cool. You know, like that's, they're living the dream. But what I was going to say, man, is like, uh, like what we, what we need in this world. And I guess, I guess the, the question I would have is like, what is like the homeschooling situation in, in Australia? Do you guys have like the freedom to like homeschool kids or is it like we, state mandatory? Uh, we have, it's a very, very, very strange system. We have our government schools or public schools as they like yeah. to refer to them as, which I'm a teacher in. Um, then yeah. we have our, our private schools, which are denominational, usually Christian based or um, Jewish or Islamic, whatever they are. We do have the option for homeschooling. It's pretty regulated. Like you have to hit a lot of requirements to do it. But over the past year, we've seen a 40% increase in uh, families that are homeschooling now. So we're definitely seeing a big shift within society, which is great. That is great. Okay. So I, you know, one of the things that like we talk about a lot in our little like freedom cells, like, are you involved with freedom cells at all? I'm not. I had... Adam had a guest on recently that um, I think it was a gentleman that started the whole freedom cells movement. Um, yeah. So I need to look into that to see if there's anything actually happening with my local area. Do it. Okay. So here's, here's my freedom cell spiel. Like in Oregon, like that was literally the thing that got us through all the insanity. Like if we, if it wasn't for the freedom cell movement, I don't think there's anything like I, we, I would not have probably survived it, man. Like, so Freedom Cells, yeah, it was started by John Bush and Derek Bros, you know, um, and and basically what it is is just uh, just this decentralized group of individuals that come together with like you know just try to make sure that everybody has like support and and if nothing else, like I'll just tell you my first the first Freedom Cell meeting I ever went to is up in Portland and Witness, which is like two hours north of uh, Eugene, and Adam is actually the one that told us about it, and um, myself and then Megan from Truzilla, we we drove up there and. Uh, we walked in and they were having like this meeting and this was like, dude, this would have been like June or July of 2020, like right in the middle, like post George Floyd, like Portland was just completely burning. And like, it was just an insane time in the universe. Right? Mostly peaceful protests. Yeah. Mostly peaceful protests. Exactly. Right. And then Portland was like the hub of it. We went, so we went all the way up to Portland and we went to uh, we went to a freedom cell meetup and we walked in and it was like in this yoga studio and like everyone was sitting like cross-legged on the floor. There's probably like 30 people and, you know, we'd all been like still in the very initial stages of lockdown. Like everyone was like still scared and just crazy, crazy times. We walk in, there were no masks. Everyone's sitting on the floor there and they're talking about chemtrails. And then they're talking about MK Ultra. And I'm just like, oh my God, like we made it. We're home. Like these are our people. <laughs> and it felt so good. And so we, we felt so fired up about it that we went back to Eugene and we looked on the website and there was no freedom cell in our area. So we started one. We started one. You know what I mean? And that's it, man. I bet you anything. Like, I bet you. Uh, so anyway, I would feel like I feel like a, like something that would be really important is to go Freedom Cells, Freedom Cells, C-E-L-L-S dot org and look to see. I bet you there's there's one in your area. There's got to be one. They've got to be doing. They've got to be crushing out there in Victoria, dude, like a really good, solid Freedom Cell. 
And then you get in there and like start, start going to these meetups. And if by chance there isn't one, then start one, start one, start one. That's the most important thing because people are going there. Like it's a pretty popular movement. People log into the website and I assume that they'll see that there's nothing going on and then they'll leave. But like, I feel like if there isn't one, you should start one. And then tell them that like you, you have like you're a teacher, you know what I mean? And then the whole idea of like pod learning and like, I have a couple other guests that you could connect with if you want um, that, that, that kind of help families navigate getting out of the public school system or getting out of the government school system. And you could be that catalyst. Like you'd be that person that, 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 you know, you could have, instead of like working for a paycheck from the government, what if like six or seven families like pull their kids out of school or they already have their kids out of school and they, they, pool together and like pay your salary you know what i mean like that's the sort of thing like you completely pull out of the system like that to me like that's where the solution is it's just completely removing our reliance on these government systems or these systems in general and then also like in group preference and just you know doing commerce in and amongst each other and just like that's that's the whole idea it's all based on like uh so like derek in particular he's written a lot of books he's wrote, wrote one called the conscious resistance trilogy that awoke me to a lot of this stuff the idea of agorism which is like uh like i know Derek or uh, adam's big on that um you know just the idea of it's almost like libertarian anarchy a little bit but like with an element of just like counter economics you know it's like taking like anarchy and putting it in action right and so it's, it's good stuff man but i see like like i know like in our freedom cell communities like a, a teacher would be really really valuable for sure so yeah, yeah it's, it's it's definitely something that we looked at like um my own personal school we had four staff that they were able to to hop stick to their convictions and they, they said no that i'm not doing it they end up losing their jobs um and that was definitely something that we were talking about with them was that what can we do to help you find work and are there those types of homeschooling groups or initiatives, something in the area? And then like lucky for them that it was terrible. That they had to go through that process, but the mandates for teaching have been dropped now entirely. So all these people who were fired back then can now come yeah. back to work and they're expected to just go on with it. Like the system didn't stomp on them and kick them to the ground. So yeah, that's uh, definitely something to look into. Totally, man. I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, basically what I'm doing right now is I'm trying to increase my skills and value. Like I basically just got here. So I, I ended up leaving Oregon, right. And I moved to Nashville, Tennessee, which is definitely a red state. Um, you know, well, uh, it's like a, you know, very conservative area. Like Nashville itself is a little kind of blue, kind of masky. Um, but as a whole, like Tennessee is like, this is like the Bible belt, like old school, freaking like <laughs> <laughs> old school conservative, man. And so I, I'm, I'm, it's amazing. It's quite a, quite a change, but in such a good way. And so as soon as I got here, I, I just started my own like handyman business and I've just been taking on jobs and acquiring tools and learning skills. And it's just like, it's that, you know, I feel like I'm whatever's coming, you know, I've, I've positioned myself to be able to not only withstand it, but thrive because everyone's going to need like these services. Like even if there is some sort of like food shortage or some sort of something like being able to have these skills or something to offer, like being a teacher or anything like that. These are, these are things that people are going to need regardless, you know? So yeah, I've, I've literally been doing the same thing. I've been getting back into woodwork. I've been building benches and tables for canning storage. And I've got a 1965 Ford Falcon, which I'm restoring. So I'm teaching myself mechanical skills and 
just trying to spread out my knowledge base as much as I can so that I do have skills that I can contribute to a little group of society or something that can get me by if, you know, the hammer comes down from the authoritarians that you have to do something again. I, I yeah. won't have to. Okay. Yeah, totally. So do you have other like-minded people that you've been able to kind of meet and get to know? Throughout no, I haven't. It's been really isolating actually. Um, I've kind of always been that conspiracy theorist but like the, the fun stuff at like looking at ufos and bigfoot and stuff like that and i actually saw covid coming about three months before it happened i was hearing whisperings and things coming out of china i'd talk about it at a family dinner table and they'd say oh good one spooky molder there's no big <laughs> virus coming and then it happened and <laughs> and yeah. my sister said oh god i hate it when you're right and i saw yeah. all that coming so it was like a really strange thing and i think just reaching out to people like moral Bob from hidden plain sight podcast. I reached out to him first and just chatting and and we developed a friendship and it's weird that I've been able to make connections with people on the other side of the world before finding anything in my own local community. Sure. I think that's probably the next step. Now that I'm comfortable that I'm speaking my truth and speaking to other people that maybe do that within my own community now. Well, let me see here. So what about, what about Bertaria? Are you familiar with Bertaria? (laughs) <laughs> no, Bertaria. You're not familiar with Bertaria, huh? Let me see if there's a... They have an app, the Bertarian Times app. I definitely recommend you get that. And uh, let me... I'm pulling it up right now. So basically, it's... Um, uh, do they have Do they have an Australia? Do they have an Australia group? Farming, maybe. Yeah, it looks like there's, there's Tropical Bear. There's Polygamama Bear, Genstar Bear. So there's some Australians down there on the Bertaria Times app. Okay. Yeah, man. Dude, you gotta meet the you gotta get you gotta you gotta get plugged in with the bear community. This this is uh that's where it's at, man. Is that is that Owen Benjamin? Is that yeah, Benjamin? dude? Oh right, there we go. Okay, yep, the bears got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, you gotta get plugged in with the bears, man. Like like they'll they'll get you through, you know. I, I don't know. So I'm I'm kind of involved in all these other different communities that are all centralized around building community, you know what I mean? And then of course I have my recovery community too. Like and they're they're a lot of them are kind of maskies or whatever, but you know, I go to a lot of meetings and stuff and you know, I've found a lot of friends through that. So it's like I am involved. I got my, you know, foot in several of these little communities and like each one has a different flavor, but but literally it's all but that's the point though. It's just like the fellowship, the communion, the like-mindedness, sharing it's a powerful thing, man. And, and, and I just don't know where I'd be without it. I definitely, definitely recommend trying to find some, something, even if it's like uh like even on, just go to like a Facebook, like, like a farming group or something. Like I bet you odds are if they're like farming or into any sort of like homesteading or something like that, like they're, they'll be on the level, you know? And uh, yeah, man, I just, I, I, I think that that for me, if I didn't have community, I don't know what I do. That was like literally the first thing I did when I got to Tennessee was I immediately started like, trying to get as plugged in as possible with some of these other groups and I met some amazing people. So yeah, we've definitely, yeah got the, we've definitely got the farming community right now. Like I'm in a regional part of Victoria. So my father-in-law is a farmer and I know plenty of people who are farmers themselves and I'm a shooter and a hunter. So I've got those connections on farms. It's just that it's, it seems like a really hard thing to approach to find another truther air quotes. So someone who's oh, open yeah. to it all, especially in a conservative area that um. I think it's it's probably the same thing in a lot of red states in America that there's a portion of the Republicans that went and got the vaccine because it was the right thing oh, yeah. to do and support people. Oh, yeah. I think that's very much the same thing down here is that, you know, you gotta do the right thing. Like, um, yeah, it's just how to tactfully approach it with people is the thing I'm still learning. 
Yeah, totally. Like uh, here in America, from my experience, it's like a lot of Trump, like hardcore Trump supporters and all the people that listen to the Daily Wire, they all got their <laughs> shots. And it's like, and I didn't even know, dude, it's crazy. The Daily Wire is here in Nashville. I didn't even know that. I'm like, what? I met several people that like, you know, they're like all about the Daily Wire. I'm like, let me know, let me guess. You took the shots and you're like, oh yeah, it was a personal decision. It's like weird, dude. So to <laughs> me, like the Daily Wire likes to prop itself up as like this conservative thing but it's like at the end of the day they're still steering people right into the shots mm-hmm. man. it's like okay okay i see what's going on here so and all the fox news people so i don't know man i don't know but yeah i can relate to just being so disillusioned with it all that i'm just like oh god i can't i can't do any i can't do it any of it anymore i can't like this whole voting this whole we got an election in the united states here coming up in like a like probably like around a month like the beginning of november here we go again yeah you know, it's like, we've got a, we've got a We've got a state election again with um, our dictator, Dan Andrews, that uh, looks like he's going to rake it back in. And I can guarantee as soon as he's, he's consolidated his power again, that he'll be rolling out the vaccines again. I've got no doubt about that. But seriously, like, do you, okay. So in your estimation, do you feel like these people are legitimately winning these elections or are they just No, like, God, no. No, nah, I think they're selected. There's no way. They're selected. There's no way. Definitely. There's no way that, that there's enough people that are still bought into this thing that they're still voting this Dan Andrews character in. Like, I even hate Dan Andrews, dude. Like, this guy's <laughs> horrible. I've seen, like, you, you're not allowed. Is he the sunset guy? You're not allowed to look at sunsets? You're yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Turned his, uh, his the state police into his own mili- paramilitary group and arresting pregnant women and throwing old ladies to the ground yeah. and pepper spraying them. And oh, he's bad news. Man. Bad news. Yeah, and shame on these police too. Oh. Shame on them, dude. Shame on them. Like, don't they understand? Like, you know, you're not defending the people anymore. Like, they've well, lost it. That's the interesting thing in Victoria. The the biggest professions that have the biggest attrition rate at the moment that they're desperately, desperately understaffed in are teaching. So people are leaving teaching now because of what's happened in the past two years and other things going on, of course. Uh, police have the lowest um, intake of recruits ever. People don't want to be police anymore after seeing what's happened. And the the medical field, they just don't have the staff in medicine anymore. And people say, oh, it's not the mandates. Well, okay, it may not have been the mandates, but if you treat people like shit for two years and tell them what they have to do, it's going to have a a catalyst effect where it's going to build things up and the smallest thing can tip them over the edge to quit. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. So what do you think is the reason? Because it seemed like throughout this whole thing, like Australia was like kind of the test ground for a lot of stuff you guys were like kind of the first ones that they really like really put the boot on do you have any insight i've asked a few people i've I've interviewed a few people from australia like pedro he's been on our show before you know where i'm gonna i'm gonna have to get you plugged in with pedro i haven't seen him in a while i think pedro he goes through these things where he's like he he, he's like super there he's like like tweeting and respond to a bunch of our posts and he kind of like goes underground (laughs) pedro's such a good guy he was like one of our original truthzilla fans and and he's he's been riding like with me like this whole time and like he's just one of my favorite people in the world but he's in australia and he's been i think we yeah we've done one episode with him just it's such a that was like we were trying to get like a boots on the ground report from australia and we had pedro on so big shout out to pedro pedro if you're listening man love you i'm gonna get you plugged in with drew here and uh and then uh who else did we talk okay so we talked to the flatten the herd podcast guys i don't know if you're familiar with them um have you heard of that show? No, that's a, it's the funniest thing. Like, I'm, 
I'm aware of so many American podcasts, and then I have Americans going, "Have you heard of these people?" I'm like, I've got no idea. Yeah. Never heard of these Check people. Out flatten, it's hilarious. Flatten the herd. Flatten the herd podcast. They're 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 down in Australia. They're they're a cool bunch of cool guys. They're a little rowdy. They're a little rowdy, but they're. <laughs> and then uh, of course we talked to Santos Santos Bonacci, and uh, he's originally from Australia. And like, yeah, we were asking. I've asked all these folks, like, why is it you think they chose Australia? as kind of the the testing ground or, or the, the the main place for them to kind of is it testing or is this like, okay. what do you think? here's, you here's my mean? here's my position on it australia's in a very unique place america has a background of you fought a revolution against the british empire for freedom you're very freedom orientated australia was founded as a penal colony so we're descendants of convicts and their jailers so we're either really good at following orders or giving orders mm-hmm. so we've kind of got that mental psyche going on within us that we we do what we're told and that's it. On top of that, Australia and particularly Victoria, we're like that, the Portland or the California of Australia, we are the testing grounds for the rest of Australia. If something happens in Victoria, it's sure to follow across the other states. If something happens in Australia, it's bound to be thrown out in the rest of the world. Um, like the whole voluntary gun buyback, and I use that in air quotes, with Port Arthur, that was a complete sham. If you look into that, that was the biggest biggest psyop in history like no doubt lots of people died and it's horrible but there's so many inconsistencies around it that was a testing ground for what i think the powers that be want to do with the united states and you can see that they've applied that same template to multiple mass shootings in america and it just hasn't taken off yeah exactly like i actually did look into port arthur just a little bit but i'm not as probably as uh I can't really speak to it as much as probably some of these other incidences but i do remember like that was in the 90s right yeah yeah yeah, I can vividly remember being on my bicycle and riding with my dad and the police pulling over and asking to take his guns that were need to be returned. And we had to ride our bikes back to home and he handed the ones over that he had to and kept the ones that he could. But there were oh. so many firearms that weren't registered that people could have kept them and they would have had no idea. And people yeah. gave them over because they thought they were doing the right thing. Yeah, exactly, man. That's crazy. So what do you, what do you, do you think that that was a, a natural event or do you feel like there was enough inconsistencies to think that maybe there was some, some like, like that was like an operation or something? Uh, it was, it was definitely an operation. The guy that supposedly did Martin Bryant was a severely autistic and mentally handicapped person mm. that I don't think he could have got the firearm in the first place. I don't, I don't think he pulled it off. A lot of the shots, even though he was using like an AR-15 style um, yeah. armor light rifle he was shooting from the hip left-handed when he's a right-handed person he was hitting most of them oh. point blank range execution style wow in a tightly closed space where if you're unloading that many rounds you would have got vertigo from the sound and there's a lot of strange photos where because he had big long blonde hair so there's a lot of photos of him supposedly running from the building and there's people on the porch having a smoke after he shot all the people so the theory is it was a, a hit squad or a, someone went in with a blonde wig on with earmuffs to cover it up. Yeah. Killed all those people. Um, interestingly enough, the only police in the area were called out to a, a false claim 30 kilometres away, so they couldn't actually intervene in it at all. A oh, day wow. before the event happened, there was a mass medical conference with the topic being a mass shooting, what to do in the event of a mass shooting, and it was done the day before it happened. A lot of yeah. really big inconsistencies and things that just don't add up. Interesting, you know, and that's that's funny that, that I mean, not funny, obviously, but it's just like it's just like 
it seems like that's the, that's the standard case. Like every single one of these, there's enough inconsistencies to be like, dude, this is not right. And it's like the, when you describe the, the shooter, like the, you know, autistic or just like, kind of just like not right. You know, probably on some sort of like pharmaceutical drugs, like SSRIs. Right. I mean, this is this textbook standard thing. And then, but also just like, you know, yeah, man, it's crazy. It's like almost every single one. And so like, what, what is the common thread? And then here in the United States, it's just like, we see the same thing over and over. It's like, always like the same, like the, the, the shooter always has like kind of the same MO, the same, like the, the patsy or whatever it is. I don't really know. I don't really know, man. But it's like, I've had some incidences recently where it's like, I'm, I've kind of gone back and forth, like, like with the whole Sandy Hook thing, for example, like, I don't know, is your show on YouTube? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> All right. So like the whole Sandy Hook thing, like I'm like, I've watched that movie. Like, uh, what was it called? We need to talk about Sandy Hook. I think it's called, right. And then it like, yeah, presents yeah. a pretty convincing case. Something ain't right here. Um, and then, uh, but then like, I know I have a friend who is from Connecticut and his, you know, he has a relative who was a, a counselor, like a psychiatrist. And my friend was saying that this person was saying that just now, like, currently today like a lot of these kids that were involved in sandy hook are now getting to be like teenagers you know and they're seeking counseling like a lot of the kids that were like fellow students that day like now they're seeking counseling and then like this person is actually a counselor for some of these students that lived through that incident so i'm like okay well you know what i mean like stuff like that i'm like All yeah right, so. i don't think collateral damage i don't think is something that the elusive they in air quotes care about like yeah. we're just we're just pieces in a game for them more than anything else and yeah 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 I, I think yeah it's a, it's a hard one but especially when there's there's real tangible lives that have been lost and people that have been hurt in it it's a very hard place to navigate and talk about so you're right yeah exactly exactly and and it's just so evil i think just people just can't wrap their minds around the idea that like the government or some sort of like cia type operation would actually think that 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 they could perpetrate something like that like just just that's evil beyond any comprehension but like that's the thing like once you're down the rabbit hole far enough like where we're at it's like i mean it makes perfect sense and i completely don't put it past these people to pull off something like that and so i think that's where a lot of people get like the anger comes from like Mm -hmm. i don't know if you're following this like alex jones trial at all like up in connecticut um are you are you following yeah i've been been listening to it yeah and obdm have been covering it quite a bit as well so i kept secondhand news through those guys but yeah absolutely it's a bit of crazy especially um even prior to that how remington had to pay millions upon millions of dollars it's yeah would you if someone drove a car through a crowd of 30 people and it was like a uh a ford would you then sue ford because they used a ford to do it um it's not addressing supposedly all these people have mental health issues it's attacking the object that they used for their their evil plans but it's not addressing the underlying fact that mentally the West is in a really bad place. Like we've got mental health issues out the wazoo and that's not being addressed. So if that was really no. the issue, why aren't we trying to do anything about it? No. And, and the other thing too is like, okay, how about we just take a pause on sending money to Ukraine just this week? How about just this week? We don't send any money to Ukraine. Like, what is that? A billion dollars maybe? Like, <sighs> oh, take that billion dollars and you put an armed guard in every single school. Problem solved, dude. Problem solved. Like not just an armed guard, not like some like, rent a cop down at like the grocery store i'm talking like a dude or a chick i guess maybe but preferably like a big dude with like an ar-15 with like a freaking three-point sling like hanging <laughs> from his 
right here, just like fully tack gear, tactical gear, just just standing there, like bring it, dude. Problem solved. Problem but solved. Even, even on top of that, like you could do that. That's like the very the outer um, protective yeah. part, which you could do. But with that amount of money, you could also include um, firearms education in school again, like respecting yeah. firearms. They are dangerous. They can hurt people. We need yes. to respect them. Like those are the yeah. things that schools broadly used to have in the 50s and 60s like my dad tells stories of he'd ride his bicycle down the main town with a shotgun broken over the handlebars because he was going rabbit shooting you do that today you have SWAT teams all over you yes yes exactly exactly and that just tells you right there that they don't want to fix the problem they don't care about the safety of kids they don't want to they this is agenda driven Another point I've heard that's a really good point is like, you know, all of, and this, this lends itself to the fact that maybe some of these are operations is the idea is like, have you ever, out of all of these shootings, have you ever heard of a parent coming out saying we need more guns? If everybody had guns, like, no, 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 it's always one-sided. It's always one-sided. Every single parent in any of these cases is always on the side of we need to take the guns. And isn't that weird? It's very strange. I I think that the the recent one in Texas um, kind of, I think they picked the wrong spot because there was parents actively rushing the police trying to get in to save their kids. That's never yeah. been seen before. No, no. They, and then they're de- the they picked the wrong demographic there. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. So man, like it's just, it, it's, it's sickening once you realize like it's, it's all politics and it's not about saving and protecting these kids. And then you see like the Jones trial, like it's just these, you could just tell that these, these people, these judge, these, lawyers are just like ambulance chasers man they're just trying to make a profit and they're they're carrying out the will of the establishment man and and the whole fact that like jones is just and you know some i get a lot of shit for like still being a diehard alex jones fan and that's okay i'll own that it's all right i take him with a grain of salt i do i don't like that he still is on the trump train like there's a lot of complaints <laughs> I have about him and i don't like the fact that it's all fear 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 and no solutions like that that stuff irritates me but i still give him credit and i, I have his back and, and a lot of people think that these trials are like fake and I'm like, no, dude, like, this is, this is, this is real, man. Like, he's, he's a quirky guy and he, he entertains and he does that really well. And that's probably why he's got such a big following. Like he's dropping grains of truth along there. He might be focusing on the wrong part or a part yeah. he shouldn't be focusing on, but he's getting yeah. the point across. And exactly. like his, the, his whole court case has been such a, a, a sham or kangaroo court, I would call it. The judge, you look at her personal profile. She looks like she's straight out of Portland. She's got purple oh, hair yeah. and yes. all the her pronouns and everything that's listed. How is that not a bias as a judge? Yeah. How could that be allowed to go to trial? Oh man, I know, I know. So anyway, anyway, I got to dude. I got to meet him a few weekends ago. Oh, nice, dude. Yeah, I was. I went down to Austin because they were doing this big uh, summer fest thing. Like they didn't really advertise it, but I heard like Owen Schroyer, the guy that does the afternoon show. He was like. I heard him say one time on the air, he's like, all right, we're doing Summerfest again on this day, August 20th, down at uh, Barton Springs Park. And I'm like, okay, I'm going. So I bought a ticket to Austin and I talked to my buddy, Matt Baker, right? You know, the long haired yeah, yeah. guy. I call him up. I'm like, Matt, because he lives in San Diego, California. I'm like, Matt, because I know he's a huge InfoWars fan. And I'm like, Matt, you're going, you're going to Austin, dude. Meet me in Austin. He's like, no, man, I can't. I'm like, Matt, I don't care. Meet me in Austin. And so <laughs> that turned out to be like the best weekend ever. Like it was so cool. Like we got to like just like we were we went out we were out at the club with fucking Owen Schroyer and Primetime Ninety Nine Alex Stein, dude. Like it was just insane, dude. And then like Rob Dew, Rob Dew, like the senior producer guy there. Like we went over to his house and like we kicked it at his place. Like he gave us a tour of his property, and then he took us like a tour of the studio, Infowars Studio. I was like, dude, this is so crazy. And then 
and then they were like and then they were like um and then and then matt because he's he's got a lot of clout with those guys like he went on the morning show there with harrison smith and i was just i just was like a tag along and uh we went into the studio like while they were airing and they're like all right you're probably not gonna meet alex like don't worry about it like you're gonna like you know, he, you may run into him. And if you do just kind of avoid him, like, don't really like get in his way. Don't say anything. Like just kind of just chill. And then um, we were waiting for, for them to go on. And I heard Matt in the hallway. He's like, Alex, Alex, you got time for a hug. And I peek out and like, Oh shit, there's Alex. (laughs) And he like, so he gave Matt a hug and he walked up, he saw me and he walked up to me and shook my hand and I introduced myself. And it was like, it was cool, man. And he's just like, and he didn't go to the picnic. And we were just like, Alex, we missed you at the picnic, man. Like, Oh man. And he's like, yeah i'm working seven days a week they're trying to shut us down we ain't gonna let them and we're like all right man and he's like all right and just that was it turn around and walk back to his office so there you go that was that <laughs> he's he's on all the time <laughs> yeah yeah so anyway that was that great guy but, uh, quite an honor but anyway so i've, I've got to say something I'll, i've noticed this with a lot of podcasters of late that like the, the dark times of covid i call it they're well and truly over now and it's great to see people of through whether it's finding their truth or their voice, they're a lot happier. And I can see that in you a lot compared to yeah. like um, the start of COVID and towards the end of Truth Zealand, things that are going on. You clearly, you, you weren't your happiest state and now you're just bright, you're bubbly, you're really enjoying life. What do you put it down to? Was it finding your truth and actually going full steam with that? Is that what's had that change in you? Yeah, man. Well, so obviously, so we started Truthzilla post-COVID, right? I think the first episode we ever aired was June 8th, 2020, right? So this was a little ways into COVID or, yeah. So, you know, this was in response to COVID. We were just like, we had just as many questions as everybody else. And we were, there's a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty. So we just wanted to start doing a show just to get what we knew out there, you know, and who, who would have known that what it would have turned into, man. And, 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 uh, and so, I don't know, man, just staying like there was just staying aligned with the truth and, and, and what we, and our principles staying aligned with those principles. Like that's what it really all comes down to, man. And then it just like, it just kind of took on a life of its own. And uh, it's almost like we were able to like judo all of the darkness into like positivity and, and, and really it was the, the community building aspect of it, like specifically through freedom cells out in Oregon. This is before I got involved with like the Bertaria people, but like, building community like we did a festival out there um but ultimately it was like like i did, i, I kind of made the decision i wanted to leave oregon for a long time i had so many attachments there and and it's just so interesting man like i, I feel like there's just, there's like just some higher power stuff going on throughout all of it you know and i don't know what that is i don't know what to attribute it to if it's like luck or or something but i don't like to think of it as like luck you know i i, I took a lot of action but I felt like guided, like kind of just pulled in a certain direction. And, and, and like in recovery talk, we call that like being in alignment with what your higher powers will is for you. Like, I feel like there's like, like, like God has a plan. And, and when you're going against that plan, then it's going to be like, you're going to run into obstacle after obstacle. But when you're like in alignment with what God's will is for you, you just kind of, it just flows. And I've just like found certain areas where I just, am like, I try to pay attention to that, I guess. And then my life in Oregon was so weird where like several of these things that I was attached to out there just fell away all at the same time. And then I had this like opportunity to come out here to Tennessee and I just jumped on it, man. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is, but I have a feeling that it's just, it's community because a lot of these connections I've made through podcasting and hopefully you're starting to see that too, just by having these people on 
one door opens up and one door leads to another door, you know, just stick with it, man. Like you're going to get to, you know, you're going to have some amazing, amazing experiences and you're going to have some like challenges too. Like you're going to probably tape over an episode or like delete an episode. Peter's going to die or like, I've done all these things. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna have a lot of frustrations and learning experiences along the way, but man, the, the rewards of it. Like I, there was a brief period of time, like after Truzilla ended where I decided to leave the show just because there was just a bunch of drama going on that I was just like, I'm, all right, I'm going to go. But like, there was a two week period of time where I was just like kind of in limbo and I didn't, I had not, I hadn't decided to start a new show yet. And I thought that maybe I was just out and I was like, it had become so just like instinctual. It's like, well, I just, I'm going to record an episode. I'm going to edit an episode. I'm going to do this. And then like, that wasn't in my life anymore. And I felt like just this hollowed out, just like, it, it was like worse than the worst possible like breakup you could possibly imagine it was like a very very dark dark place right <laughs> and then like having to start a show over from like zero subscribers zero anything zero views and downloads was a very 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 humbling experience but i decided to just uh, nope i just got and then of course too i thought like maybe i'll just do like a like a rec- show just about recovery or just like it's just some sort of mainstream show that i could like monetize on youtube and i was like no 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 you gotta get right back in the ring dude and so there we go so we did and i think just that again just being just like i mean i felt that 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 was that was a big big hurdle but then just staying aligned with what i felt was important and what was compelling me and what was pulling me it kind of blossomed into everything else so i don't really have an explanation to the overall thing but i just feel like for me in my personal life it's pretty simple like the biggest most important thing in my life is that i have to stay sober I have to like stay clean no matter what, because I had like a really bad history of like, you know, substance use there for several years. And that's my number one thing. As long as I'm clean and I'm like giving back to the world, which is a big part of the type of recovery program that I work, like sponsoring other guys and like, you know, being of service to like my recovery community. Like, as long as I'm like, for me, like my life ever since I got clean, like that's been the basic formula for all the successes that I have is I stay clean and I try to give back whenever I can. And it's really just out of that, all this other stuff has happened. And, like and you today, know what? I yeah. think that it's all that, like, yeah. I hope you don't mind me saying this, but going through yeah. those things yeah. and hitting rock bottom in, in that experience, like, that probably prepared you and helped you survive what's happened in the past two years, that you've had hard times and you've lived it rough. And that's made you a stronger person where from my own experience, like I've had a pretty privileged life in a lot of ways. I've been really comfortable my whole life. Um, yeah. and that's why and I think I'll, that's probably the majority probably a lot of majority of people out there have had it easy and yeah. the last two years it's either pushed them further into following and doing what they're told or it's given that little bit of a kick up the ass to say come on you need to get in control of your life and yeah. see what's really going on so I think that's definitely happened for a reason and everything that's the move and everything that's happened back at home for you that was probably meant to happen and, and set yeah. you up for where you are yeah. And then, and today I just like, I sometimes I'm just in awe some days, like I'm just like overwhelming gratitude, like almost on a daily basis. It's pretty insane. You know, doing this like handyman stuff. Like I'm just meeting these amazing people. Like I'm just taking only, only taking, like I'm Nashville is such a booming, growing city right now. Like I put like one little Facebook ad up that, Hey, handyman, you need anything? Let me know. I just get dozens of responses and I can just pick and choose what jobs I want and charge like a premium price. And like some days work like a half day and like, it's crazy and leave leave myself enough like room to, and flexibility to just be able to 
take a day off. If I need to, to record a podcast in the middle of the day, if I need to or whatever. And, and, uh, and then the podcast itself is, it's going really well. And, you know, I'm just like, I teamed up with Ryan from the last American vagabond and like, I do my show out of his studio now. And we're talking about, um, we're in the very preliminary stages of him and me. And then uh, gal Courtney Turner, the Courtney Turner podcast. Um, she's, she's fantastic too. She's got a lot of cool connections. Uh, we're talking about starting our own like media company. And this is like kind of the very preliminary stages. So daily wire, watch out. <laughs> so something like that. Like that's the idea. So yeah, man. Um, and it's like, I don't even know, man. I don't even know. And like, for me, it's like, all I did was stay clean and like, try to give back and just be of that, 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 that spirit. And like today, like today, you know, I'm super, I was super excited to come on with you because like, you know, I remember when I first started, like, like, I think it was like episode seven of Truthzilla was Ricky Verandas, right? Like this guy that we like, he was so instrumental in helping us get started. You know what I mean? And then like having him come on, that was just like a real, and I know him and Charlie Robinson, like those guys in particular, like, have you reached out to Charlie yet? No, I haven't. Um, massive yeah. listener of macroaggressions yeah. and day zero he's, and stuff like that. So yeah, that'd be amazing. Charlie, Charlie loves, like, he's the same way. Like shows that are just like getting going. Like I love, there's nothing I love more than like going and jumping on a show. that's just getting started just like this for a conversation because these guys did that for us. You know what I mean? And that's, that's exactly what recovery is. Recovery is, you know, when I first showed up, like my first meeting, when I was just completely broken and scared and I didn't know anything. And I was like, please, God help, please, anybody, please help. There was guys that showed up and like scooped me up and helped me. You know what I mean? And so now in my life today, like that is such a, that's a thing that I hold so dear in my recovery is like, if I go to a meeting that's like this guy's first meeting there or something like that, I always make a point of going up and talking to him and, you know, saying, Hey, here's my number. If you need anything like that sort of thing, you know what I mean? And just like pulling everybody up and like, I just, that I did like, it's just so weird how like a lot of these recovery things have carried over into my life. And so now that we're doing this media company, we're talking about starting to do events to fund them. So we're actually, we have a, like this is again in the works but we're doing like a musical concert thing in january here in nashville but but a big part of my recovery was being on these committees putting on events like picnics and and, and camp outs and all these things and so like i'm taking all of these things that i learned like and applying them to this and it's just like i don't know man like it's just crazy like it teaches us like the whole idea of recovery is like we just operate off of spiritual principles is what we call it you know like trying to recognize what our character defects are and then know what spiritual principles you apply to counteract them, you know? And it's just like, like I take so much of that into my life and I feel like that is like the direct result of where I am today. I mean, that's, that's it. Whether it's podcasting or just like being of service to my community, like with the handyman stuff, like the feedback I get is like nine out of 10 handyman that they meet off the internet or like, you know, they're, they're on drugs or and they, grifters like, and overcharge. Yeah. And yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So if I, all I have to do is like show up and like the fact that I'm sober and I'm like, do a decent job and like, you know, all these things, dude, it's just crazy. So I don't know. I don't do you know. have that self-fulfillment yeah. thing at the end of the day though, where you've worked with your hands and you might be physically tired yes. and drained, but oh, it's a yeah. good feeling compared to being in the office yeah. or the average nine yes. to five. Like it's a great feeling to be drained and tired after a good yep. day's work opposed to the nine to five, keys in the machine type of deal yeah exactly man but i think it just comes down to principles too like just having principles man and it's just like i remember early on in the pandemic there was a an episode james corbett had this episode and i can't remember what what episode it was but the kind of the thing that always stood out to me was he said 
all right, you guys, like, and it's so crazy how, how much foresight he had. This is like very early on, like probably like April, May of 2020, very early on. I remember it, but he said like, all right, everybody, they're going to, they're going to try to take as much power and they're going to take as much from you as they possibly can. So right now it's really important to write down what are, what are your lines? What are your lines that you're not willing to have crossed? And then what are you going to do when those lines do get crossed? Cause they're going to cross all your lines. And he was definitely, definitely right about that. And I think it's just so important to, just be principled in what we do. You know what I mean? And it's just like, we're there. They, they try to characterize us as the crazy people or the violent, like we're the violent people. Hold on. We're the violent people, bro. No, <laughs> no, <We're> literally <laughs> it's all like peace and love. And then here, like in America in particular, like all these people that are deeply involved in the medical freedom movement or the ones that have been involved in the medical freedom movement way before COVID, they're all like moms. You can't tell me we're the violent ones. No. I think this is the turning point in in a lot of this, that just because you chose to do something over the past two years that you didn't want to do doesn't mean you can't change now. Use those experiences. Like, it was hard on everyone. We know that. And you may have been coerced to do things that you didn't want to do. Well, use that energy now and change. And it's almost a message for the podcasting community. I'm seeing it a little bit here and there that we've almost polarized ourselves again, that there's the truth of community who didn't get vaccinated. Then everyone who did get vaccinated, you know, they're sheep, they're idiots. Well, yeah, we may have made poor choices and we want to move on and learn from that. So open up your arms to us. Like, Oh yeah. I, know, I, pers- I was, I was uh, like, we attended protests during all this. I didn't want it. I spoke out about it. My choice, not the best choice at the end of the day, but you know, I'm moving on and I want to be proactive and positive about this. So you know, yeah. we're at the 20 turning point now where a lot of people who I'd say the 80%, a rough figure on that, who didn't want any part of it, we're starting to find our voice now. And bloody hell, those people who made us do those things, watch out because we're coming for you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, man. And sometimes, honestly, sometimes just coming for them or, or the best revenge you can have, as they say, is just to live a good life, man. It's like, I know that that's, and it's, it's tough, dude. It, like I'm at this weird point now where it's like, I don't even want to like go bullhorn. I don't even want to go to protests. I feel like those are just designed to suck my energy. You know, I want to be focusing more on building my community and like, like gaining more skills and like, you know, and it seems like there's a room for both, but I just, at least here in the United States too. And I just imagine like even a place that probably is not, I don't know, but like, I don't see a political solution to this. I no, don't see nor a, do I. A system, like any sort of solution, like in the courts. Like, I don't think that those are where the solutions are, but I'll tell you what the solution is. The solution 100% is, is just completely remove our dependence on the state and these systems that are going to coerce us and uh, remove any sort of leverage that they're going to have over us, which is like food and energy, you know, and well, let's say we have to go back to riding bikes or whatever, because they take away the gasoline or something, then okay, well, then that's what we're going to do. But just staying true to our principles, be like, okay, these, this isn't going to happen. Man. And, and the community piece is so critical. And it's just something I've been really, really, really pushing forward, like a lot. You know what yeah, I mean? the, yeah, there's definitely not a political solution. I think a lot of Australians, particularly Victorians, learned that, that even if you do protest and have the largest protest numbers in Australian history, the only result is they'll send the police to shoot at you. So exactly, yeah. and, and like you said, living your life in ever since I started this podcasting and I'm, I'm becoming a bit more outgoing and actually having my voice heard and not worrying about repercussions about what people think I'm enjoying life. No. I, I'll go to work. I enjoy my job as is, but I'm not living for the weekend anymore. I'll go home at the end of the day. and I'm energetic and I'm wanting to do things. And I'm wanting to learn more. 
about everything about being self-sufficient and trying to talk to people who I know have the skill sets that I can learn from. And it's just growing exponentially. And I think if, even if you get 5% of the population to do that, the system yeah. would crumble. Yeah, exactly. I think so too, man. And, and, but that's the other thing too. Like, oh, I was just talking about this with somebody recently, but it's like redefining what victory even is like, like we're never going to topple the state. We're never going to like conquer the new world order. Like, Klaus Schwab and these guys, they're going to keep pushing for this fourth industrial revolution and like the whole transhumanism thing. Like that's going to just continue to be pushed regardless, but we, we can be over here. We don't have to engage. We don't have to participate in the system. Like these systems are just being offered to us. All of this stuff, every single bit of this system, the matrix, whatever you want to call it is just being offered to us. And we always at the end of the day, will have a choice as to whether or not to take that offering or not. And it may be difficult to walk away or to, to like resist, but, but like, that's, it's still, we always have a choice, man. Like we always have a choice. And I feel like this, this is where we're going to shine. And we don't even have, like, we don't have to win. We don't have to topple the state. All we have to do is make sure that our families and like our, our, the people that we've grown community with, like, as long as we're okay, we'll be okay. You know, it's, like, it's not about, it's not about winning a war. It's about winning those small battles and the battle of like making sure your family's looked after and you're set away yeah. and, whether you're right with God or whether you you've got things in place so that you don't have to worry about where your next meal's coming from. If you've got that sorted out, you're already winning. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, man. So yeah, dude, it's, 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 I have a lot of hope though. I have a lot of hope, honestly, like, um, you know, those of us that are like where we're at now and we see the world the way it is, like as the world continues to fall, like, and if we have skills and we have like things to offer, you know, let it all fall. I don't care, man. Like we'll, we'll, we'll be fine. We'll, we'll actually be the ones that'll thrive and rebuild whatever's coming. You know, I mean, I don't have any fear at all about this. Like it's, it's crazy. You know what I mean? Like I'm just, I'm ready for whatever it is. And uh, I think we're going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. We need our own great, great reset. Not theirs. We have to be the architects of our own, our own future. Not what they want. Yes. I have an agenda 2030, man. I want to have a, I want to have a, a wife and a kid and a, on a farm in by 2030. So there you go. It out what a, talking about that what a complete flip in the mentality of what yes. people want for the longest time people wanted the apartment or the super flash house with the two new cars 1.25 children whatever it was and now it's i want to detach from society grow my own food live on a farm yeah. have chickens yeah. like the things that naturally come to us and you can see that the people that are yeah. doing it are the happiest people you'll ever see on me yeah yeah, it's like that. I saw a meme recently. It's like that old Saturday Night Live, like Chris Farley sketch, you know, where he's like, "If you keep this up, you're gonna be living in a van down by the river." You know that one? You know, <laughs> yeah, and people actually want to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like it's like it's like the meme is like 1993. You're gonna live in a van down by the river if you keep messing up, and then 2022 is like, "Damn, I really want to live in a van down by the river, man." Damn, that sounds good. <laughs> it's been flipped on us. So I will say this though: I did live in a tiny house out in Oregon I moved out of this homestead and in a tiny house I think the tiny house thing is kind of a psyop because yeah I understand the it's whole almost pod lock isn't it yeah yeah I understand the whole like minimal living and trying to like reduce and trying to live like a like a minimalist lifestyle but I'm in my tiny house and I'm like damn I really need I wish I had like enough room to just get out and do like a push-up at least like this <laughs> this tiny house thing is bullshit <laughs> so, like yeah I think it's like HGTV is like perpetuating the tiny house stereotype or like all these 
like home improvement magazine or whatever, right? They're just pushing yeah. the tiny house in like this novelty, cool little thing. But have you ever actually lived in a tiny house? It kind of sucks. I don't recommend. No, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. I almost look at that as that is, you're right. It is a site because where do you store, store all the, the tangible things that you need to build your skills? Like yourself and I, like we're getting hands on with woodwork, carpentry and things like that. If you're in a tiny house, where are you going to store yeah. all that stuff that you need? Yeah. And that, and if you don't have that, you're reliant on the system for someone else to do it. Like, but if you can learn anything, it's hard today with cars because you need like five diagnostic computers to figure out what's wrong with the car now. That's why I've got a 65 Falcon. It's so simple. I can work on the engine. I can redo anything myself and you can teach yourself. Nice. Dude, that's awesome. I got, I've got, I just got a 2013 Tacoma. So it's got me across the country. I can't complain. But, yeah, yeah. Point A to point B. That's all you need. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Wow. Cool. All right. So for the listeners, if you could pinpoint what the meaning of finding your truth is, what what do, what is that? What in a few words, what could you narrow it down to? Okay. Well, that's a funny one because they say finding your truth. And I you know a lot of these people that uh that call us conspiracy tinfoil hatters are like, well, there's no there's either the truth, like what do you mean your truth? Your <laughs> truth. It's like, well. I mean, that's, that's an interesting one. I mean, they, I mean, there is a point, they do have a point because like, you know, I think there's like an, an, an objective truth. Like the, the truth is the truth. I mean, that's the idea is like, you know, the sky is blue. I mean, that's a truth, right? Things like that. But like my truth, when I, when I find my truth, I guess it's my relationship to these things in the world, you know, and, and, and realizing that uh, maybe in the past, like my, what I thought was true was not true. Like my, my, I have the right to reserve, uh, I reserve the right to be wrong about things and change my opinion. Like I used to think it was a great idea to be homeless and get high and then shoplift from stores. Like that was my truth. I thought that was freaking, I thought everybody else in the world was stupid for not doing that. I was like, these people are idiots. They're good. They go to work. Oh my God. That's insane, dude. Like these people are idiots. So that was my truth for a while. And then I realized in the back of a cop car, like, oh yeah, this probably isn't that. <laughs> this is probably <laughs> as true as I thought it was, right? And then over time, like, my relationship to the truth has definitely changed. Um, and I feel like just the more I engage with whatever that is that's the truth, the more it reveals itself to me. You know, I feel like other people out there who have fallen for the fear and fallen for all of these spells they don't have as much direct interaction with the truth. Like they're, they're, they're not, they're being protected or not, they're not protected, but like they're being, there's like a barrier. There's like a big wall between them. You know, it's like, they can't, they can't see it. They can't see it. Like this hasn't been revealed to them, whether like they haven't been chosen to be able to see it. And so their truth is something that's completely different. So, so I think it's, 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 it's okay to say my truth because we all have different relationships with the truth. Like some of them, I probably don't, and you know, we, we, none of us probably know anything about anything. You know what I mean? Like, like we literally don't know anything about anything. And so, you know, I reserve the right to be wrong about what I believe to be the truth today, but I feel like I have a, a better understanding on, on every single level, spiritual level, uh, like a, a book knowledge level, like uh, just an intuition level. Like, I feel like my, my understanding and my relationship with the truth has evolved a lot. And, and I, I love where I'm at now. I love the fact that, you know, what's true 
you know it's like it's like that meme <laughs> the meme where it's like there's like a six like the number six laying on the ground and two people are standing on the other side of it and one one's like, a nine and one's a six one's a six one's like no it's a nine and one's like no it's a six and it's like the same thing looked at from different angles could still be treated different people you know what i mean it's like so what it is to be successful success to one person might be a mansion and the brand new car where success to someone else is hey i managed to get out of bed this morning and i'm happy like yes exactly it's, it's exactly. very personalized and i think that's that's a thing that's there's the truth air quotes and reality and i think those get mixed with each other like the reality is the sky's blue the reality is grass is green but the truth is very dependent on your own out view and outlook on life yeah but the sky is only blue because some person way back in the day decided to put <laughs> yeah. a, D and a u and an e together <laughs> they, could, they could have easily called it green and the sky would be green it's you know? true exactly <laughs> no i don't know you know or other but yeah so i don't know i don't know man like but that's but yeah so all of our i think it's uh all of our relationship to the truth and i don't know i think some people are maybe and i don't know like chosen i don't know that's kind of weird to say but like but yeah that i always wonder like why me why am i allowed to see these things and most people like there's a dude driving around with a by himself with a mask on and by himself in a car with the windows rolled up like Oh, it's still happening. It is still happening. My wife and I went shopping this morning and saw it. Yeah, I want to like hug that person and be like, you don't have to do this. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Like, oh my God. Like, yeah, like 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 their truth. Like they have a very, very different relationship with the truth. Their truth. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Sad. Sad. You know what, Scott? This has actually been almost therapeutic for me because this is probably the most I've ever actually actively spoken out about COVID and how it's impacted my life personally. So thanks a lot. That's actually done a lot for me. Uh, oh, man. Awesome. Where would you like people to, to find your content? What would you, could you like to plug anything? Yeah, I mean, so all, all podcast players are rebunked. Just type in rebunked. Um, the website's rebunked.news. You'll find all the links to everything there. So yeah, that's it. Awesome. And I was going to say, I want, can I put this out on my end too? And then yeah, absolutely, man. I'll send you the audio. Yeah, yeah. And the video. Do you do perfect. video? Do you, do I do you video as well. Yeah, I can send that to you as well. Yep. Okay, cool. I'm yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I'm at the learning stages at the moment where I haven't quite got, don't even have intro music or anything ready or editing programs for hey. video, but hey, it's a no, start. That's, that's it. That's it right there. See, a lot of people get bogged down with all of that stuff and be like, oh, I need to get a, I need to get like the perfect setup and the perfect background. I got to get the best microphone. I got to get a theme music and all this. Stuff. I just drop it's, the audio. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm always just like, no, just press record, just press record. That's it. The rest will take care of itself, dude. It will evolve and take care of itself. And you just put that up that intention right there. Maybe somebody listening will be like, Hey, I'll, I'll help you out with a theme song. So, Hey, anybody listening right now, if you guys want to help drew out with a theme song. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, I'm <telling> you, <laughs> value for value. Time time talent and treasure like you don't have to like necessarily exactly. support be a contributor to the truth movement here and if you're if you feel like you want to give back and help the truth movement we could use a theme song over here so there you go fantastic <laughs> awesome and i'm drew from your missing the point podcast you can find me on podbean yes. itunes all the usual places and i'm listed as missing the point on instagram thanks again for joining me today scott keep fighting the good fight and more and more allies will happily happily come to us and start joining in i think Absolutely, man. I love it. Thank you so much for having me on, dude. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Absolute pleasure having you on, buddy. Thanks. Hey, everybody. It's closing time. You don't got to go home, but you can't stay here.